Hi, and welcome to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman, and I'm Judy. For those of you that have been here before, welcome back. And for those of you that are first-time listeners, welcome. So excited to be here today. Selling in a Skirt is all about connection, community, and cultivating relationships. It's about empowering professional women and encouraging those men to make sure that they're helping, supporting, and advocating for women and with women. What I love most is sharing incredible women that I have met along my journey, and today is no different. We wanna see how each one of them empowers the next generation of women. So, to get us started, it is my pleasure and my honor to introduce Joanne Moretti. She is the Chief Revenue Officer at Fictive, and I know she's excited about this because not many people get to that level. And so I'm going to ask Joanne to just introduce herself and tell us who you are, what you're doing, why you love what you're doing, and I'm so excited that you're here. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's I've, I've seen you speak, I've read your books, and you're just an inspiration to women all thank around. You. So th- So thankful for what you do for women. Thank you. Um, So I'm Joanne Moretti, like you mentioned. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at Fictive. I've been there um, actually all together over three years because I sat on their board for a while, uh, did some consulting with them, and then finally they convinced me to come on board and take on a role that really combines sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's much more than just the sales team, it's the marketing, it's the revenue operations, the sales ops, the marketing ops, um, the analytics, all of the sort of growth uh, activities for the company. So uh, as you mentioned, it's you know rare to see a woman in this role. Uh, we, there are not a lot of um, peers, I can say, uh, women CROs in this role, but I'm certainly proud uh, to have taken probably 35 years, I hate to admit it, but 35 years of selling and marketing, pretty much divided down the middle. Half of it was carrying mm-hmm. a bag in sales and the other half was in marketing. Um, and so taking all of that, combining it and bringing it to Fictive was just a joy. Um, yeah. And as you said, it, you know, not many women get to that level and still there's a lot of questions why and still we have lots of reasons. But the first time I met you, we, were, we both shared a stage. We were both speaking at the same event. And I remember thinking, I have to know this woman because, <laughs> the, you know, the things that you were saying, you were really bringing women into the conversation. So what are some of the ways that you create success for women? Yeah, that that was a that was a great presentation. Uh, I, I watched you present as well, and I was also inspired. Um, the thing that I was trying to really hone in on there, as well as you know, when I speak to women in general, is how can we level the playing field? That to me is the most important thing. We've got to take this sort of gender thing out of it. We've got to take the color out of it. We've got to take everything out of it and look at people for what they bring to the table, their right. content. And one of the things that I always recommend to the women, and I mentor four women, um, young young ladies in their careers, uh, is really learn to speak the language of business. Mm-hmm. I think that is the that levels the playing field all around. It neutralizes everything. When you start talking about return on invested capital and earnings per share and EBITDA and really understanding the, the language of business and finance, it doesn't matter what you are at that right. point. You're really a person and a business person at that. And that's how you're viewed. So I really talk about, first of all, learning to speak that language. There's a great book out there um, I recommend all the time financial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone you know uh, is thinking about really brushing up on their financial acumen, that's a that's a great book. 
But the other thing I um, also recommend is understand your company's goals. Really lean into what your CEO or your board or whoever you report to, really lean into what they're saying and understand what is the strategy for the business. And then try to figure out how do I fit into that strategy? What are the key things that I can do that will really drive the strategy forward? And you know, one of the things that women don't do well, and, I, and I've seen this over and over, it's a bit of a generalization, but I have seen it numerous times, is they don't like to make decisions. Right. I got news for women. Making decisions to. is the most important thing you can do for your company and for your career. So you really have to get comfortable with it. And not making a decision is making a decision. It is. And it's slowing <clears throat> progress down for your yeah. company. And they're trying to get to their goals. Your job is to accelerate getting them to their goals, right? That's the key. How do I accelerate my company's results? Yeah. And yeah. you know, what's interesting, you said, you know, what do you bring to the table? And that's a question a lot of women are asked, like, what do you bring to the table? And sometimes you have no idea, right. like, but it's usually something that's different, unique, something special and something that someone else isn't doing. And it could be critical thinking. You know, in your case, it could be, you know, sales or marketing. That's right. It could be anything like that. And when we, we are all in sales, yeah. you know, I don't care who you are. I don't care how that's old true. you are. I mean, the best salesperson is a baby because yeah. when a baby cries, you either feed them or change them and then they're okay. So that would be simple. But the truth of the matter is whether it's a product, a service, a project, an opportunity, whatever it is, we're all selling. Yeah. So how important do you believe it is to know your market and your target in order to make the sale without sounding, sounding salesy all the time? This is something that I focused on immensely, particularly when I was at HP. Um, I ran the HP Sales University for HP. We built it from scratch. We built it right here in Plano, Texas. It was the fourth floor. Uh, and we had 22,000 salespeople coming through that. And I was the dean of HP Sales University. And the thing I always used to say is, understand how your customer thinks. So what I would do is I would bring in the mind of, I would bring in a CEO, a board member, a CFO, a chief information officer, whoever we were sort of focused on. Moreover, I would bring in someone that was from a particular industry. So whether it was healthcare or whether it was, um, you know, um, consumer products or whether it was any, you know, um, energy, you bring in the experts and you get them, you get your, your salespeople to understand the mind of that person. What are right. their metrics? How are they, what are they thinking about every single day? What are the key initiatives? And if you look across industries, generally key initiatives are fairly trendy. Like in other words, healthcare will focus on two or three major things like electron electrification or electronic healthcare records or something of that nature. So there's always like a trend. What are those trends? What are the pressures mm -hmm. that are bearing down on those sort of C-level or mid-level executives? What are they focused on? And then try to position your solution around that particular problem. When you do that, you create something called a value wedge. You wedge yourself in there and your competition can't get you out because you're really creating that differentiated right. value that seems like you designed it just for your customer. Because why? Because you listened. And you did your research. You did your research, yes. right? Yes. And that was part of the part of the curriculum, uh, both at HP and at Jabil. I, I set up a similar class at Jabil. Um, we called it the master's program. And I was responsible for all marketing and sales enablement. And here is this, you know, Fortune 150 company. And, you know, we were really sharing with them how to think about their customers and what their customers were 
pained with? What were, you know, what were the pressures? Was revenue down? Were expenses up? You know, were, you know, was customer satisfaction down? What were the key things that they were driving as a company? And when you're talking to an executive, it's generally those strategic initiatives. Right. Then when you get down to speaking to a mid-level manager, now you're talking about metrics that relate to a certain function within an organization. So right. there's functional KPIs. When you're talking to an individual, they're usually measured based on particular, very specific activities and goals. So you start to measure the project timelines or on time, on budget, those types of things. You have to look at what level your customer is at and then tune your message to that level. Right. So executive KPIs, financial KPIs at the very highest level, you know, more of initiatives and functional KPIs, like I'm operating, you know, the product development group within a company, I need to develop products faster. So there's those types of KPIs and then project level KPIs more at the individual level. Right. Look at that and then line up your message accordingly. Well, I always say you need to know your people. And so no matter what your, who your people are, Who's your customer? Right. There's so many places that I've been that they don't know their customer. You know, you go into That's sometimes true. a hospital, they don't know who their customer is. Yeah. You know, you go into um, a big sales organization, they think that their, their customer is one person, but it's another. Right. And the other thing that I always see is sometimes it's your, your customer is the person that's paying for it as opposed to the end user. Right. So you also have to be able to know your people. And I think that that's one of the most important things, no matter what level you're at. That's right, that's right. In our company, we deal with mechanical engineers. They're the users of our platform. The beneficiaries of the platform are generally the head of R&D. Right. Who needs to get projects launched, right? Or the head of product, the product manager, the product owner. Yeah. And so the mechanical engineers are wanting a great experience on our platform. They want to be able to load up their CAD designs. They want to be able to get design for manufacturability feedback. They want to, you know, they want to interact with the platform and get that product or that part just right. But the again, the executives are worried about how fast can my people go? How fast can we get these products to market? So yeah. you really have to shift with the person you're talking to. Absolutely, yeah. without question. Yeah. But here's a conundrum. Yeah. What I found is that in most cases, people use two concepts interchangeably and they don't even separate the thoughts and that's going to be sales and marketing. Right. So do they relate? Are they the same? Is one more difficult than the other? What's the difference and why do people, I mean, other than the fact that in every company it says sales and marketing on the door, what's the difference and is there a difference? It's really interesting that you should say that because marketing has become a profit center to be honest, uh, these days because of digital and because marketing can attract, they can engage and they can actually cause a low friction or a low touch transaction. That right. now sales is, you know, marketing has now become sales. Right. Right. And so that, you know, that side of my business, that go to market motion, if you will, exists in our company. Once we bring customers into our platform through this marketing approach, this sort of uh, motion, once they're in, then we determine through analytics, are these the types of customers that will grow into what I call customers for life, right? So you've really got to analyze who's in that fish pond, swimming around in your fish pond, using your services. And then if they're attached to a big customer with a big brand, say for instance, right. a Honeywell, well, when I see hundreds of mechanical engineers using our platform from Honeywell, I'm going to go over and have a conversation, you know, with John Hobgood, the head of aerospace and say, 
your people are using my platform. Do you know what they get when they use it? They get lead times that are 70% faster. That means you're bringing products to market faster. Now I can have a conversation with John at his level. Right. And that top down, bottoms up sales and marketing approach is incredibly impactful in terms of covering an account. And so sales will typically be the ones having those deeper conversations, those outbound conversations, marketing's driving the inbound conversations. Right, and marketing is the funnel over here and right. sales is here. Exactly. But the truth of the matter is I always say that marketing gets you known and sales gets you paid. Yes. Okay, and yes. that is the truth. I and mean, it you, is. Know, you know, marketing people don't necessarily get the the final sale and everything. But do you have a preference? I mean, do you like marketing more than sales or, or what? I've been, I've been asked that before. I'm sure. I'm a true, like I am definitely a salesperson. Marketing people look at me and say, where'd you come from? What agency are you from? I was, I'm not from an agency. I'm a salesperson. Right. And I like, I love both. I, and there's parts of, you know, my mind that love and take off, you know, it's that right brain, left brain thinking. Um, and believe it or not, there's a ton of um, science in marketing. Everyone right. thinks it's all of this, you know, creative uh, artwork and uh, fonts and beautiful. That's just a piece of it. Yeah, that's a piece of it. Really with marketing today, especially because we have so much data, is really about the science of understanding your customer's experience all the way through that funnel. Mm -hmm. What are all the touch points? How do we engage that customer properly with the right messaging? How do we nurture them from just creating demand to capturing demand, right? All the way down that funnel. So I kind of love that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But then I come to these, you know, office buildings and I like, I love talking to the customers, right? So I, it's hard for me to pick, to be honest, because I it stimulates me on both sides that need stimulating. Like I just, yeah. I need to have that. Well, I think part of it is really the creative side and part of it is, you know, what they call the hunt. Yes. You know, are you, is it the thrill of the hunt? Oh, yes. You know, and- And, and, and the competitiveness. I am right. competitive. Yes, I figured you were. Yeah, I'm super competitive. I want to understand my competition to the nth degree, which you have to. You've yeah. got to go live on their website. You've got to ask analysts. You know, how are they positioning themselves? What are they saying? Figure out their weaknesses, set those landmines. And so I love that competitive aspect of selling as well. I'm, I guess I'm weird. I guess, you know, I could, I could go in either direction. <laughs> I wouldn't say weird. Kind of an anomaly, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. I like that though. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So there's an old saying, it says collaboration divides the task and multiplies the success. What does collaboration do for a company or an organization? Because you know, you always hear about people working in silos. What happens when the silos open up and they actually start to collaborate? I have to tell you, I've been at a lot of companies, small, medium, and big. Um, Fictive is a, a, a growing sort of SMB company, if you will. We're 300 employees. Um, and, you know, when I first started, we were, you know, under sub 100 um, and we've been growing. But the thing that's really outlasted everything is the collaboration, mm -hmm. is the teamwork is the, um, the sense of, you know, I'm, I'm here to serve and help others. Uh, and I have not seen that before. Uh, we're working on something and we put together these cross-functional teams and we attack a problem and we're in problem-solving mode. Together. Together. Yeah. So, and go. what an amazing thing to see all this diverse thinking. Someone from the platform that builds software, someone that's a mechanical engineer, that builds hardware and thinks like our customers. 
someone that's in sales and understands what the competitor is doing or in marketing. When you bring that cross-functional team together, the learnings you get and, and how you can continually improve is just phenomenal. And I find Fictive is um, just, it's, I, I think it comes from the founders uh, yeah. because they really, you know, when they're stuck trying to figure something out, they'll just call a whole team together. It doesn't matter what level you are. They, they know who the leaders are. Leaders have no title. Right. They, you know who uh, the leaders are in wait, your organization. Aha moment. Yeah. And you pull them together <clears throat> and you collaborate. And, yeah. and generally, we solve a lot that way. No, it's so sad because when I worked for an insurance company, you would have, you know, we would build this product and then you'd bring legal in and they'd say, you need to fix this. Right. So we'd fix it. And then you'd bring in, you know, the actuaries and you have to fix this. So you fix it. And by the time you got to round seven, it was like, why are we not doing this together? And they said, because that's not the way we do it. And I bet you, you'd have to go back and retrofit things all Everything. the time. All the time. Yeah. It's it's yeah. ridiculous. That That is the problem. <coughs> yeah. And I think that that, Dave, our CEO, said last week, and it was so profound. He said, there's no such thing as low-hanging fruit. I, I sat there and I thought, you're right. After all these years of experience that I have, He's absolutely right. We're always looking for the low-hanging fruit. What can we go fix? What can easy and fast. It's nothing's easy and fast. That's Not right. in a digital world where yeah. everything is interconnected and people are interconnected. Yeah. You've got to think that one thing is going to have an impact on another. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. It's it's incredible and and things change and we have to be able to change with the times. That's right. So I want to switch gears for a bit. Let's talk about you as an executive woman. You know, in sales and in leadership, that's one piece of it. But I always talk about the lonely leader. And these are the women that are at a certain level, which we all said, you know, agree, we agree that not everybody gets there. Yeah. But when you get to that level, who do you trust? Yeah. Who can you have a conversation with? Who doesn't have a hidden agenda? Have you ever been in that position? Are you in that position? And, and what do you do to, to change that? Yeah. So I always say to people, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> the title lasts for five minutes. The ego rush lasts for five minutes. Yeah. And then the real world sets in. Right. And um, I have my my direct reports are like my board of directors. So I will take all their input and I will synthesize that and then I will make a decision. But uh, rest assured, I'm going to get their input because they're on the ground. They right. know what's happening. I'm a bit removed. Right. And so I want to know what customers are telling us what they're really what, saying what they're really saying yeah. and what our people what our yeah. employees are really saying that they might be afraid to say to me right or they might be afraid to say to one of the other sort of ELT members so and it was so funny one of them said you guys think you're important but you're not we do everything down at our level we make decisions we make this company work <laughs> and I said you know you're absolutely right um so I do trust and I do have my board of, you know, personal board of directors. I recommend that to everyone. It's like, even if it's, even if you're not a senior person, figure out who you trust and it doesn't have to be people inside. It can be somebody on the outside, four or five different people. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And absolutely. get those opinions, take them all in and then you'll know, you'll know the decision to make. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just, it's a, it's an, an, a funny position and it's not always that comfortable, but when you find the right people, and sometimes it's, you know, pure advisory. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be within your company. So, That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So knowing that you are a true leader in your business, what's the number one piece of advice that you can share for other women in a leadership position? What would you tell them? 
I mean, some of what I've already said is um, really just understand your business inside out. You have to be able to present to your board, right? You, you've got to get to that level where you're comfortable presenting sort of your initiatives and your metrics and what you've accomplished at a board level. When you can present to the board, everything else is easy. Um, so I would say that uh, be prepared, mm -hmm. do your homework, understand how your particular role really drives and impacts something at the higher end. So if you are in sales, how many sales do you need to get you know that EBITDA number up? You know how many things do you need to drive a, a higher stock price? Like break it down to the molecule if you have to, but understand how your role. And you might not be in sales. You might be in you know, an accounting role, you might be in, uh, you know, an operations role, figure out how many of what you do affects that top line. So or know that your numbers, line. basically. Know your numbers of your company, yeah. study them. And yeah. if, they, if they're not apparent, ask for them. And sit with your CFO, you know, spend an hour with your CFO. I think that's the best journey because the CFO really understands not only the financial numbers, but the risks, right? They're mm -hmm. looking for risk. They're trying to figure out what are the financial and what are the business risks? Right. And they'll really have a great conversation with you if you just come out and ask. So prepare when you go into a meeting, write down three or four questions. So make sure whenever you're speaking to an executive, you're prepared, but then lean in and learn. And then go back and say, and don't do it while you're sitting there because right. you have to listen while right. you're sitting there. Do it when you go back and reflect on what you heard and then reflect again on how, do what you, how does what you do really help what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, and yeah. in all sales, it's not about you anyway. It's not. <clears throat> you know, how do you mitigate risk? How, how do you, you know, increase retention? Yeah. How do you decrease this? How, you know, so I think that that's a really good point that you have to really like know your numbers, know your people, and know your position. That's right. And you always have to decide like, where do I wanna be next? Because I wanna move up, so how do I do this and who do I talk to? And I think the moving up happens. If you're constantly in problem-solving mode, whether it's problem-solving for your company or problem-solving for your customer or your partners, if you're constantly in that problem-solving mode and you're helping move the ball forward and removing those sort of obstacles from, from success, I call them, you're gonna get ahead. You're gonna get the commission check. You're gonna get the, you're gonna get the promotions. You're gonna get all those things. Don't put those things front, and front of mind, put those back of mind yeah. and then everything else will follow. We used to call that commission breath. Oh, yeah, because everybody Take can the smell it. Off. Everybody can smell it. Everybody knows it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, this has been amazing, Joanne. Like really, really amazing. And I'm so glad we finally got back together again. So, where can our listeners reach you? Where would you like them to, you know, reach out and say hello, connect with you? Yeah. So if anyone would like to talk, I'm at Joanne at fictive.com. Fictive is F-I-C-T-I-V. Uh, www.fictive.com. Um, if you're an engineer uh, and you love building things and you love innovating, come and visit our platform. Uh, we help we help engineers bring amazing things to life. That's what I love about the about the the role about the company is that we're really helping creators innovate new things and there's no barriers because you have a digital factory at your disposal, right. multiple factories, 250 factories all over the world. So supply chain issues aren't even a thing with us. And that's why I'm like, not, there's no barriers to mm -hmm. building, you know, um, and, and we really simplify all of those processes and workflows. So come and visit us. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And you should do that. You should connect with her. She is a woman to know. I promise you that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. And I loved having you. 
And I look forward to seeing everybody the next time. And who knows who we're going to bring to the table next time and what they bring to the table. (laughs) See you next time.